Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. Uh, you can see in the NFL the trend of guys that most teams know are going to start on getting a lot of work in the preseason anyways, and so it's been good for the, the young guys to be able to show what they can do and get the majority of the reps. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Can take off 2022 with Wolf and Luke. Welcome back to State Farm Stadium on this fine Tuesday morning as Cardinals practice is in full effect right now in front of us. Wolf, I know you were fired up to be. We've got two practices in there since the go. last time we did a show yesterday. Here we go, Luke. Are you kidding me? Full pads out here at State Farm Stadium right now, and I saw some good stuff out there, man, in that full gear pretty jacked up right now oh yeah did you happen to notice some of the guys that were actually dressed out there and taking reps yeah well look i mean everything right now for me at camp starts with uh with isaiah simmons but yes hollywood brown nice to Boy. see hollywood brown out hollywood. There. Uh, it's, it's still fun to watch simmons move around as you were pointing out before the the show started okay here he is an inside linebacker very next play he's over on the other side on the edge like he's just all over the place but david collins consistently out there and we got a depth chart for Friday's game. This is an interesting depth chart because it's specifically yeah. for Friday's game. It'll typically do it like this. You know what, honestly, I want to get to that depth chart. There's no doubt about that. It's, it's going to be a fascinating study, but I'm just telling you right now, my initial reactions to what I've seen out here so far, Max Williams was in full gear, and guess what, Mason audience? Max Williams took reps. Yeah, he took reps. It feels like he's he's um he's moving forward significantly each day. Uh, you've got to like be week, kidding me! It's a day to day thing. He's in full pads. They're in full pads today. He's down there in the very first rep he takes in team eleven on eleven. The very first rep they run right behind him. He's down blocking out of twelve personnel. One back, two tight ends. Not, down not blocking. Back in. He gets the movement at the point of attack. Of course, Max. Williams, um, wow, my biggest takeaway, I'm blown away. I'm blown away that he's he's even out there, let alone taking reps in 11-on-11 team. That's fantastic right there to see Hollywood. Hollywood! To watch him, the explosiveness. This is the first time I've actually seen yeah, we him, haven't seen him practice, and he's in full gear, and he's out there running, and to see the speed, oh, baby, it's, it's all that it was supposed to be to see Hollywood Brown out there doing that. To see Isaiah Simmons again and Zaven Collins, no matter what the down and distance is, it doesn't matter. Whatever the personnel group is, it see doesn't matter. In front of us right and now. there's a brawl going on right now. <laughs> and did you happen to notice that? Because my back was to the brawl. I, I saw, did anybody here in the broadcast? I saw, booth, it looked like anybody? Sean Harlow swinging. Oh, like. Sean Harlow. Well, welcome to the fold. My brother, it looked like it. I got. I got. Well, he's kind of got his helmet off right now. Now he looks like he's swinging because his helmet came off. Putting his helmet off right there. (laughs) You know what? That's that's one of those deals. (laughs) There's the blackout. The blackout moment where your helmet is off. And what what are you doing? 
you're still in there and you're throwing haymakers. I couldn't tell who he was swinging at. Honestly, Wolf kind of looked like he was swinging at anybody who was near him. Okay, well, you know, honestly, if I had to pick one, I'd, I would hope that it was Zayvon Collins. That's it, number 25. Here we go. Uh, just a lot of cool stuff that is happening down on the field right now. This has been a physical practice. Not surprised to see people with disagreements today. You know, this is uh, just looking at the last few plays I've happened to look up and see. So this is a very small and scattered sample size, Wolf, but you could probably elaborate on this a little bit more. It seems like wherever they move Isaiah Simmons, yeah. the ball goes the opposite direction. <laughs> and I don't know if that's by design or that's just the way things are working out right now with Trace McSorley out there. Quarterback, but it does seem like they move Simmons to one side and the ball goes the other way. Yeah, I, I think that's probably happenstance at this point in time. I don't think there's probably rhyme or reason to it right now. It really doesn't matter. Oh boy, I love this right now. <laughs> there is, we're watching practice here. They're literally getting into a zero look and there it is cover zero Luke and that was bring Simmons. everybody Huns over the wall man across the board that is something that Vance Joseph loves it's something that we see an awful lot of and he's not afraid to do that in the second quarter a lot of teams like to do it hold it as a desperation move especially in the fourth quarter but Vance Joseph is one of these guys he will jump into zero coverage cover zero is what Wolf. it's called playbook for dummies cover zero man across the board with everyone else blitzing the quarterback Huns over the wall. <laughs> That's even in your definition. <laughs> there Huns over the wall. That's exactly right, Maloney. All right. Um, the depth chart that came out. <laughs> two things on the depth chart, Wolf. One of, first of all, it's it's a pretty good indicator of who's going to play on Friday night, which you don't always get. A lot of times they just give you the depth chart like, hey, this is our team's depth chart, and you got to piece together. Okay, well, Kyler Murray's the quarterback. Am I actually going to see him on, on Friday night? They put out what is basically a depth chart for Friday. I will say this. When I searched for it on Twitter, this is what came up, okay? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Larry Fitzgerald at wide receiver, uh, Mike Upani at left guard, because for some reason, the 2018 first preseason game depth chart pops up oh my as, as the main thing on Twitter if you just search for it. But the actual depth chart, there's not a lot of guys we expect to be starting that are listed in the two deep for Friday. It's Will Hernandez, Devon Kennard, Zaven Collins, Marco Wilson. Those last two in particular are the ones to watch. Yeah, this is the depth chart for the Cincinnati Bengals preseason game on Friday night. That's what it is. Yeah. It's not the actual depth chart. It is a depth chart for that game. And I thought there were some interesting things on that depth chart. The fact that Will Hernandez was listed as a starter. He was the only offensive lineman that we expect to be a starter this year mm-hmm. who was actually listed as a starter. Which, well, it kind of makes sense to me just because he's new to the team this year, but I would think on offensive line, oh, yeah, you kind of no. like to keep them all together. Wait a minute now. Yeah, wait a minute, Luke. You, you want to see this now. Okay, all right. You, you got this guy. He's brand new. You got a little toy. His name is Will Hernandez right now. He doesn't look like a toy. I guarantee you that much. He does not. This guy is 340 pounds. I want to see a little grease out of that. That guy. Let's find out what we got right here. We got a new toy. Let's throw Will out there for about four or five snaps and see what we get out of him. I get that, man. 
I mean, I want to see that as well. So Will Hernandez was not a surprise. And then all of a sudden, I I kicked into overdrive, and I looked, oh, there's Zayvon Collins listed as a starter. Zayvon Collins. Man, are we going to see Zayvon Collins get 20, 25 reps in this game? I hope we see that right there. That got me all jacked Well, up. here, though, I have a question. Uh, this is more of an existential question, I guess. But at tight end, I don't see Trey McBride, Max Williams, obviously, or Zach Ertz anywhere near. And not like I expected Zach Ertz to be starting and playing on Friday. It wasn't the whole point. Yeah, of what Cliff said last week, hopefully we're going to see Trey McBride out there on Friday. Well, yeah, hopefully we're going to see him out He's there. He's listed fourth on the Apparently depth chart. Apparently it doesn't look like he is going to be out there. Huh. Okay, It doesn't look like he is going to be out there. Once again, this was a depth chart for people that are going to play against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they didn't have a lot of the starters out there, of course. So that wasn't a surprise to me whatsoever. Now, Trey McBride? Okay, maybe Trey McBride. That was a bit of a surprise right there. But they had Will Hernandez, my takeaways. They had Will Hernandez as a starter. They had Zayvon Collins as a starter. Oh, isn't it interesting? They had Marco Wilson as a starter. With Antonio Hamilton. As well, with Antonio Hamilton, who was probably going to have to be a starter going into the season right now. If the season were to start, if the regular season were to start against the Kansas City Chiefs tomorrow, Antonio Hamilton would be your nickel corner. He'd be one of the three starting corners for you right now. But they're going to find out about Antonio Hamilton. But the whole prove-it mentality... And what Cliff has been talking about in regard to Marco Wilson, that told me it was very telling that Marco Wilson was going to be a starter out there. So you've got Will Hernandez so far, Zayvon Collins, Marco Wilson, Devon Cunard as well. Here's another guy that's going to it was listed as a starter. And then Sean Harlow. Those were my five guys that I took away and said, Wow, you know what's okay, they're gonna they're gonna run these guys out there. Sean Harlow is not a starter. Uh, Rodney Hudson, of course, is the starter, but I thought, because Rodney Hudson hasn't been getting a lot of reps, that maybe they'd monitor how many reps Sean Harlow actually yeah, got. And I'll say this, too. Colt is listed as the starting quarterback, obviously, just for Friday. Uh, at running back, Eno's listed as the starter. Daryl Williams is second. And I'm not I'm not reading that as, okay, Eno's moved ahead of Daryl Williams. What I am reading it as, Wolf, is Eno's going to get the opportunity on Friday night That's to, exactly right. to make a push for that second spot. So we'll get, obviously, a lot more into this throughout the show. We come back. Kevin Durant gave the Nets an ultimatum over the weekend. Is that good or bad timing for the Suns? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, Wolf, this is really perfect. If they just want to run practice in front of us for the whole four hours, yeah. you know, that might be a little exhausting for the players on the field, but it gives us great entertainment during the breaks for sure. Man, this is some good stuff going on right now. Uh, a lot of football talk, obviously, out here at State Farm Stadium today. We do have to check in on Kevin Durant, though, with everything that happened yesterday. So, first of all, Wolf, that all kind of broke during our show yesterday, and we reacted in real time. But now that you've had, like, 24-ish hours... Uh, has your opinion changed at all? Because to me, I just have more and more and more questions. Yeah, you know, honestly, let me just say this. First of all, um, Kevin Durant is not going to play for the Brooklyn Nets this year. <laughs> Ron Wolfley reporting. Um, 
That's my number one takeaway. He's not going to play for the it Nets. felt like that had to happen yesterday if you were holding out hope that he ends up on the Suns. What happened yesterday, I guess it happened on Saturday, we all knew it was eventually going to have to happen, and he sat down with the Nets owner, Joe Sy, and he did not waver. I don't believe I don't. I don't know. The more I think about it, I don't, I don't believe he was sitting there saying, okay, well, yeah, just get rid of the GM and the coach. I'll be happy. That, to me, felt more like a, I'm going to ask you to do something I know you're not going well, to do. Well, you saw Joe Sy tweet. He said, our front office and coaching staff have my support. We will make decisions in the best interests of the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, what does that sound like to you? What, when you read that from the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, what do you think of Well, the first thing that any of us read when we read that was, okay, KD's getting traded. Right? I mean, that's <laughs> it. He's getting traded. There's no way. Now, He's not. So that's the number one takeaway right there based on that tweet by the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. There's no way he's playing for the Nets. My, not, it's not going to happen. My one concern on this, and yes, you know, Durant initially asking for the trade on June 30th. Uh, Durant doing what he did over the weekend. These were all steps that I think most of us had laid out of if he's really going to make his way to Phoenix, these steps need to happen, right? So if you want him in Phoenix, what happened over the weekend is a good thing. Except, Wolf, I cannot help but worry about the timing now. Because when this all started, the Suns could have traded DeAndre Ayton. And that could have been somebody they trade to Brooklyn. Or that could have been somebody they trade to Utah. So Brooklyn gets Donovan Mitchell as part of the trade. Now, this, certainly with what everything that played out over the last couple days, feels like this trade's going to happen before the season. And that puts the Suns in a tougher spot because I don't know that you can match what Boston can match if they're really willing to trade Jalen Brown. Although, they just put out a story last week that they weren't trading Jalen Brown basically on their own website. I know. Yes. You know, and I, honestly, right now, because D.A., you're right. It makes it so much harder because apparently the Brooklyn Nets were not interested in DeAndre Ayton to begin with. And now, all of a sudden, D.A., you can't trade D.A. unless you've got his blessing anyways, for the most part, not until January 15th. So now, all of a sudden, you're thinking to yourself, okay, where is this all headed? Because now, I don't see... Anyway, the Suns can keep their nucleus together at all and still acquire DeAndre Ayton. I mean, it means Mikael Bridges is gone and Cam Johnson is gone. Those guys are gone. There's going to be some other guys that are going to be gone as well. But those guys are going to be gone. Any deal whatsoever for Kevin Durant, you just know, is going to include at least those two guys. See, this is what's so fascinating. And I don't like that. Well... I don't. Yeah. That's... I don't because I'm starting to sour a little bit on Kevin Durant once again. I, I Listen, I know intellectually, I was talking about this yesterday, I understand intellectually he makes the Phoenix Suns a championship caliber team. I understand that. But emotionally, I can't. I I can't embrace it. Well, I can't emotionally. See, I have because a lot you know of thoughts he's here. forcing his way out of another organization just like he has and manipulated his career just like he has his entire life. So you said yesterday, are you sure you want a guy like that around Devin Booker? I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, so just follow me. You said yesterday, are you sure you want a guy like that around Devin Booker? And my response was, I'm not worried about Devin Booker. It feels like he's a 20-year vet. You're not Kevin Durant, if he came in here, things didn't work out the first year, and he decided to, to pull that act of, okay, this is what you do. You're a big name. If things don't work out, you just leave. That's not going to influence Devin Booker. That attitude, I, I don't. But you know who it might influence is DeAndre Ayton. Do you really want Kevin Durant around DeAndre Ayton? 
Now, I do. I still want him on this team. But the, the question you asked Look, yesterday about Devin Booker, I was driving home. I was like, it's not Booker I'd be worried about. It, it would be Aiton. Can I just say, I mean, truth be told right now, I, I can't stand it when NBA superstars force their way out of franchises. Franchises that are paying them huge money. Isn't that right, Anthony Davis? I, I, can't, I can't take it. it. It drives me crazy. I, I mean, they negotiate these huge deals, and then they want to be moved. Hey, how about you stand and fight? How about that? Stand and fight. Don't cut and run. Stand in the breach, man, and fight, and don't quit. That That is a quitter's mentality. It is. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, and this is the thing that is hanging in the air around Kevin Durant. And, again, this is a guy, full disclosure, that I loved a guy that i totally respected i i will say the the golden state warriors thing after it and and listening to draymond green i was talking about this yesterday as well that did kind of open my eyes a little bit to kevin durant and maybe there's a lot more there that we don't know about kd yeah, I mean, I, I still want him. I think part of the reason that I, I'm still on that train of still wanting him here is because I had accepted that this day was coming at some point if he was going to work his way out of Brooklyn. Because Brooklyn was asking for such ridiculous return from every team that we said it on the show multiple times. And this wasn't the only show that said it. If he's actually going to get traded, he's going to have to go force his way out. And he just forced his way out. I like it so much better that uh, Kevin Durant, I liked it better when he was requesting. I did, too. Trade. I did, too. Okay. That's a great way to put it. When he was requesting. Yeah. I liked it so much better. Now, all of a sudden, we're getting this not only demanding that he wants out, but saying this right here. you got to fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks, or I'm not going to play for him. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I, you know, that to me is once again. I'm sorry. I, I'm. I, I would I don't imagine look at that, and and I don't. I'm not filled with respect thinking about a dude doing that. Yeah, I'm no, not. I know. I know. It, it's he's coming out of basically an ugly divorce, and and it's not. Are you willing? To, yeah, it's like, hey, that's Kevin Durant. Of course, we'll do whatever it takes. But do you have in the back of your mind, like, but wait, why is it so ugly? Where he's coming from? Now, the other thing, Wolf, and I know you're the grassy knoll. You don't stand on the grassy knoll. You are the grassy knoll, as you say, right? Yes. Um, Logically, there's a lot to look at. If you're just looking at this logically, take emotion out of it. Hey, I'm a Suns fan. No, you're not for a second. Just look at this. Logically, it doesn't seem like if Kevin Durant were to get traded on Sunday coming up, that it would be to the Suns, right? Because they don't have Aiton as a a trade chip anymore. So it would have to be Bridges and Cam Johnson and Picks, and Brooklyn has made it seem like that's not enough for them. And that's at least a a total package that some other team could jump ahead of the Suns if they wanted to. But this is the NBA, and how many times have we seen a guy say, okay, I want to go to this team? He always ends up on that team. Almost always. I shouldn't say always, but almost always ends up on that team. And I cannot help but wonder now, and maybe these things aren't connected at all, but why was Jay Crowder tweeting last week like he was about to get traded? I don't know. I honestly don't know about Jay Crowder and what's going on. Could with they Jay be Crowder. connected? Uh, sure. Wouldn't he know? I think there's a possibility. I feel like he yeah. would know ahead of time that this that something was about to happen. If it were, it doesn't mean it is. But if it were, and Jay Crowder were involved, yeah. 
but a lot of times, too. I mean, Jay Crowder and his agent, of course, I'm sure maybe that was a situation where they heard this. Maybe that is the grapevine. The grapevine is vast and varied, of course. Yeah, you're going to get an indication, and maybe that's what it is. And maybe Jay Crowder was just trying to say, hey, you know what? I don't care. It's time for me to grow. And that means I've, you know, here comes change. That's Jay Crowder in his mentality. And that's That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly exactly right. He's a mercenary through and through. So that would not surprise me at all if that were the case. But it doesn't mean it's going to happen. It doesn't maybe mean it's going to happen. It, maybe he heard that we're trying to make it happen. But maybe he knows somebody who knows KD, and they knew. And this, is, this stuff is is pretty likely. Actually, they knew KD was going to sit down with Joe Sy and say, "No, I'm out of here." And if you're if you're Jay Crowder, you know you're probably part of that deal. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that Kevin Durant's getting dealt to Phoenix because Jay Crowder tweeted something last week. But if Kevin Durant gets dealt to Phoenix, I'm going to be looking at that tweet that happened a week before everything went down and thinking like, okay, Jay knew something. Hey, stand in the breach, KD. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, when should we expect the Cardinals offense to be at full strength? You're going to hear from Max Williams and get his thoughts next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. Everyone's excited about this year, especially on offense. We got the tools to be a really good offense. It's the start of a special journey. This group we have staff-wise, player-wise, it'll never be the same again. You want to make it count and, and make sure uh, we all put our best foot forward. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. Yeah, practice wrapping up here at State Farm Stadium this morning. Wolf, what a great moment. All those fans over there yelling, I assume, at us for the wonderful show that we're doing. <laughs> Turns out they're actually yelling at Buddha Baker for autographs. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah, doesn't that, it? That does Buddha. make more sense. Yeah. Buddha. So, there you go. Um, I know that you are especially jacked up today because Max Williams on the field actually you know, running through football plays. Um, here's Max yesterday talking about the recovery process. Remember, he went down in week five last season, so that was very early October, and that kind of you could tell instantly, okay, his season's done. That was one of those plays where the way his teammates reacted, the way he went down, just not a great scene. You wondered, you know, when, if and when he's coming back. Well, he's coming back. Taking it day by day. You know, obviously got taken out the pup, what, last Thursday, I think was the first one. Easing into it. I mean, we're in no rush. We still have, what, two weeks of camp left, a couple preseason game. It's a long time until September. So I'm going to take things day by day and see how we go. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, there were three huge takeaways that I had. Uh, number one, Kyler Murray was out there in pads. Kyler Murray was out there. He was throwing on the side as well. Now, he didn't take any reps in practice whatsoever. That was a big moment to me right there. Max Williams. Max Williams in full pads out here today. And then, of course, Hollywood Brown as well, practicing for the first time in full gear and watching the burst from Hollywood Brown was awesome. You get but, a sense of how fast this offense could be with Hollywood Brown and Rondale There's Moore no there. doubt about that. And man. Kyler you, Murray. Yes, you really, really do. But Max Williams, once again, my favorite moment of practice, Basinonians, was when Max Williams got his first rep, his first rep in pads, 11 on 11, and they ran right behind him with a counter tray. The guard pulled, kicked out the end man on the line of scrimmage, and here comes the tack 
tackle all the way up through counter tray but it's a it all starts with a down block by the tight end on the play side and that tight end was max williams and sure enough he got movement coming down so not really easing max back in now that he's back if you're back if you're out there on the field if you're in pads we're going to run right behind you on the first play exactly right but that wasn't my favorite moment the next play they ran was 13 personnel what Three tight of course, ends. that would be your favorite we'll moment. Stop and think about it. One back, three tight ends. Wolf's playbook for dummies. 13 personnel. One back, three tight ends, and one wide receiver. <laughs> I love it. So it, the quarterback <laughs> under center, under center, you got three tight ends, quarterback under center. They ran an inside zone. An inside zone, which is a north Wolf's playbook for dummies. Inside zone. A north-south zone scheme running play. <laughs> We're going to go through the whole book today. I love it right there. But you know what? Honestly, this, this is what I'm talking about, man. The physicality. It has to be there. You have to have the baseline, man. I, I am convinced of this. The more the game changes, the more it stays the same. You look across the National Football League, and it's still about attacking the line of scrimmage and then using play action to throw the ball. Every team is doing it now over and over and over again. And and I want to see the Arizona Cardinals. This is where they've got the new age stuff down. They've got the new era offense. Just look down. at the coach. Look at Cliff does not dress like an NFL like any other NFL head coach. He dresses like Cliff. That's exactly he dresses right. Dresses like he's about to like lead a spin class and he's out there running an NFL team. Okay, let's stand. Uh, no, don't call so. it a spin class. <laughs> what else okay? are you, gonna I mean, call it? you know what? I, I, anything, anything, anything other else. than that. Right. A spin class. That's what it looks I don't even like. know what is a spin class. I, that's the are you talking you about you get on a bike and you... you I think that's what they're called, right? Okay, yeah. A bike whatever. class. You want to say a bike um, class? Yeah, you okay. know, call it something uh, a little bit different. But anyways, once again, <laughs> I, I think this is where the Arizona Cardinals need to grow the most, and that is in the physicality. It's something that Steve Kime recognized. It's something the Cardinals have talked about for the last couple of years. Now you got to do it. All right. I I'm, I hesitate to ask this question because we do eventually have to go to a break. We're not there yet, but just know that this is not a podcast. We can't go for three hours. Okay, but I want to ask you this question. All right. Let's say Max Williams is ready for week one or whatever. Let's say let's just say week three. It doesn't really matter when yeah. for the purposes of this question. Right. What does this offense look like when you have a healthy Max Williams and you have Trey McBride and you have Zach Ertz? Because I think a lot of people looked at the draft pick of Trey McBride and said, OK, that's going to be great especially when Max Williams is still out. But Max Williams is on the field now, Wolf. Yeah. This is not like some distant thing in Week 10. Right. Maybe Max Williams will come back and he'll be he'll be such a small part of the offense because it's taken so long. They might have all three of these guys by Week 1 or Week 2. Yeah, you know what? What does this offense look like? I, I think go back and look at the first 10 games of the season last year. That's what this offense I'll looks that. like. I'll take go that. back and look at when Max Williams was the tight end. Go back and look at that. Go back and look at this offense. That's when they were at their best, when you had Max as the stud tight end. Now you got Zach Ertz. You're going to tell me Zach Ertz is going to be your move guy, your move tight end, and you got Trey McBride. You're not going to go 13 personnel. It's not like all of a sudden the Arizona Cardinals are going to lead the league in 13 personnel. They're not going to do that, Basinoni. But 12 personnel, where Zach Ertz is your move guy? Oh, there's a real possibility that happens, especially... 
the first six weeks of the season when you don't have D Hop. That's, That's what I think we're going to see. It's kind of where I was going because now you have something that you didn't have last season. If you let's say you get Max Williams back even by week two. Now, yes, last year you had him to start the year. But you didn't have Zach Ertz to start the year. You didn't have Trey McBride until this year. And yes, you're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins. And would I rather have Hopkins? I would. But this might be a way that you can attack differently. Yes. You still have receivers. Yes. You still have Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore. Now, I guess my, my, my point on this is... Balance, Luke. It, it, Think well, balance. Yeah, it hurts to not have Hopkins. I get that. But there really are no excuses because they have so many other pieces on offense. There's no excuse of like, well, yeah, we went one and five in the first six because we didn't have Hopkins. You've got the pieces to go five and one. Yes. I mean, you're, you're playing some tough teams, so I'm not expecting five and one, but they've got pieces. So here's what I'm expecting. You you asked me the question, what do I think we're going to see with these tight ends they have? I think we're going to see a lot more 12 personnel once again instead of 11 personnel well, through the first six weeks of the season. Zach Ertz as opposed to D-Hop. When D-Hop comes back, now they're going to have to figure, where is that balance once again between 11 and 12? Where is that balance? Because when you go back and you watch the tape, especially through the first 10 or 12 weeks of the season, I talk about it all the time, it was balance the Arizona Cardinals were running with. Balance between running the ball and throwing the ball. They had balance, and they got to get back to that. All right, we come back. Kyler Murray made a small gesture yesterday that went a long way. Are we seeing more and more signs of increased leadership from the Cardinals quarterback? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Now presented by 72 Zones and Pro The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Camp Takeoff Practice wrapping up. We're going to talk to Rondale Moore in just a little bit. But right now, Wolf, you know, it was it, it did feel weird last week not really talking about Kyler at all. Although the week before, I felt like we talked about him constantly. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we can find some balance this week because everything kept happening two weeks ago, and then obviously last week he was out. Uh, we talked though yesterday about you know the red and white practice ends on Saturday, and he's out there. He's the last player on the field signing autographs for an hour or so. There was an interesting, just kind of a, a nice story uh, over the weekend too, where somebody, a kid, had his jersey that was signed stolen or taken or whatever. I don't know exactly how this happened. But um, they said stolen. They did you know? say stolen. Okay, somebody ripped this kid off. Are you kidding me? Let's go find that dude right now. Somebody <laughs> got a, a ski mask. <laughs> Wolf's looking around the uh, the crowd right now, um, and I'm assuming this was uh, okay. This it was her friend's son, but a lady tweeted about it, and she wasn't. You know, I don't think asking for anything other than if anybody maybe saw what happened because there's a video and the kid is obviously very upset because yes. his, his jersey just got swept. Yes, Kyler Murray gets a hold of it, says uh, responds to the tweet, jersey on the way, bro, and it looks like it's signed by. There's a lot of signatures on that jersey. It's a Kyler Murray jersey, but it's signed maybe by the whole team, at least by a good amount of the team. Yes. That's a pretty cool gesture. Man, it was, you know, honestly, once again, uh, you know me, uh, Kyler Murray, listen, um, 
You don't have to be the nicest guy on the face of the planet. You don't have to be PR guy. You don't have to be PR Kyler. You don't have to be any of that stuff. Go out and be a pro. Go about your business in a professional kind of way. Respect people. Love people. That's great. Fantastic. Got no problem with that. But the fact that he's making an effort to do it, it does matter to me. It does. It's not something you have to have to have a good football team. It isn't. But you know what? It's a nice gesture by Kyler Murray. It is a very nice gesture, and it's one of those things where you don't, you're right, you don't have to have it to have a good football team, but you do have to have stuff like this to, to, to have like a, a really truly likable football team where it's not just, hey, that, that, that guy's wearing a cardinal on his helmet, so I want him to win. It's like, no, no, like, Kyler Murray's part of the community here. You know what I mean? And it's not a knock on him, but it kind of didn't feel that way so much the first couple years of his career. It felt like he was a really good player who played for the Cardinals, who likes it here, but it just feels like, and this is just a couple examples, it just feels like he's kind of more invested outside of what just happens on the field, yeah. too, which would make sense. I mean, he's signed here now. He knows he's going to be here for a long time. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And again, I was talking about this yesterday when we were discussing the same thing with Kyler and the fact that he did a great job staying almost an hour after practice, running from sideline to sideline and signing an awful lot of jerseys, signing an awful lot of merchandise for people. But, you know, gratitude matters gratitude that's what it really is to me it's saying i am grateful i'm ultimately grateful to be an arizona cardinal i'm grateful because i signed this new contract and i know ultimately it's the fans that are paying for that contract that's the way that it works in the national football league and i am grateful to be here and I am grateful for for I am grateful to be in this position right now and because of that I am going to make a concerted effort to make sure that I am reaching out to some people that are out there to show that gratitude it, I think that is man that is growth that's, that's it, right? I mean, it's the concerted effort you're talking about. It's not like Kyler Murray never signed an autograph before Saturday, obviously. But it does, He, it just doesn't, it's hard to, like, I don't think anybody went to him and said, hey, you got to go send this jersey, get everybody to sign it. Like, no. this will be a great PR move. Yeah. I don't think it was that at all. I think he just now is, he seems, he appears to be a little more invested. And I know it's early. He really just signed the contract a couple weeks ago. But at the same time, it would make a lot of sense of, you know, the first couple years, you're a rookie, you're kind of just figuring things out. You're He's always kind of seemed naturally more like a lone wolf kind of yeah. separate from everybody and now we're seeing at least signs yes. of him kind of being like no this is this is my city now this is where i'm gonna be and i can't help but wonder if that's also extending in the locker room i just i just want to really stress this though i really do based on Ian's. i as a former player i think like a player i'm always gonna think like a player and i think like a player inside that locker room do i need my quarterback to be the nicest guy on the face of the planet no no, I do not. But what if this is extending? What if what if this is a sign of a bigger thing for Kyler Murray, where he's like, no, I like. What do you mean? A, like he's like a, developing and growing as a man? Is, is it, that what you're saying? Do you think it's wrong of me to say for the first three years there were times like I always thought Kyler Murray took losses personally, but 
I didn't necessarily, you don't get the sense from him. He's like, well, I've got to be better in this way, in this way, in this way. What we have seen, or what we are hoping to see, is maybe a guy that is like, okay, here's now what I have to do. We heard, even when he called that press conference a week and a half ago, that was something that wasn't scripted for him. He did that. Like, I just, yes, I think we're seeing him grow a little bit and taking potentially another step. It may not help him on the field at I all. I love I'm what just you're saying, saying. In general. I totally love what you're saying right now, and I think you may be right on this. See, for me, once again, the locker room and the walls of the locker room, sometimes they, they my vision is a little myopic because of that. I think about what it's like to be inside that locker room. And what you're saying right now, it makes perfect sense that maybe this is Kyler Murray actually growing in an area that he needs to grow and making the effort of going out and doing some things, making the gestures of hanging out and signing autographs for almost an hour, and then, of course, helping this kid. Maybe maybe this is something much bigger, where I'm more locked into the fact, I, listen, you do your job, I'll do mine. I mean, that is what... But maybe this extends to that. But I think, no, I think maybe you're onto it. I agree with what you're saying. This definitely shows growth from Kyler Murray. Maybe it's growth in other areas as well. Not just going out there and reaching out to the fans. Maybe he's going to reach out to his teammates that's, as well. That's the hope, right? Because the, the worry with him, especially this got brought up so many times in the offseason, was, okay, does he feel like he's doing everything and, and it's the guys around him that are failing when they get blown out by the Rams in the playoffs? And do I think he really really feels that way? No, I don't think he felt that way, but it almost seems like he has decided, I'm going to make sure my teammates and my fans know that I still feel like I have room to grow. Yes. No, I love that, man. I love what you're saying. And again, that's where a lot of times my vision is really reduced because I do think so much like a player. Even though I'm fat and 59, I think like a player so much of the time. That maybe that's what it is. I'm just too locked in, and I think what you're suggesting, this growth spurt from Kyler in other areas, I think you're dead on it, Luke. I mean, I hope. I hope I don't get like instantly proven wrong here in a couple weeks. And like I said, this is not the first time he signed an autograph, so I'm not saying, hey, Kyler signed an autograph, everything flipped. But I, it just this we're seeing some things from him now. The press conference is one of them, too, that we didn't see from him the first three years. Yeah, I just want to really emphasize the fact that as a professional athlete once again man go do your job you know, you know everyone needs stars aligned and i need all oh, my quarterback to be well liked by everybody and you know I, no but you typically just, he doesn't seem go to care. do your job i i just want to i i again i want to double down on this and make sure you understand there's a lot of guys in that locker room feel exactly like I do right now. You know what? I don't need Collar to be the nicest guy on the face of the planet. I need him to do his job. That's what I want him to do. And that's always, as a player, the way that you're thinking. You do your job, and I'll do my job right there. But what you're suggesting and what you're offering right now, man, this this might be the best indicator we have of Kyler Murray actually saying, I'm going to take responsibility for certain things, and I'm going to do something about it. It's because I don't think, hey, listen, I don't know if he does this 
last year. I, I don't know if he does it two years ago. We, I mean, he hasn't played any games since he got the contract, obviously. But I'm just saying we have seen a couple different examples of him acting a little bit differently since he got that yes. contract. And that was one of the biggest yes. concerns over the summer was you're going to give this guy all his, all this money and he's just going to flat, like he's just going to plateau at that point, right? That's always a concern. Once the guy gets paid, they plateau. And, and there are, he's not perfect on the field by any means, but most of the concerns were how is he going to be in that locker room? How is he as a leader? I I'm just partially hoping that if he's going to put this sort of effort out with fans, then maybe if they lose to the Rams in week three after the game in the locker room, he's like, this loss is on me, guys. It's, I'm, not, I'm not blaming the defense, or I'm not, I'm not just going to sit here and not say anything. So in other it's words, me. maybe his demeanor will change. That's the hope, That's right? very interesting. Uh, all right, when we come back, we get some insight on the receiver position for the Arizona Cardinals from one of the receivers. Rondell Moore is going to join us next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona. Sports Station.